The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. Sadly, no Uriah. Busy end of the school year stuff for Uriah, but that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna just do a little different podcast tonight. So here's the deal, folks. We are recording on Wednesday night. May 18th. Tomorrow morning, Chris is going to have a article come out ranking the top 100 players after this, you know, season's over, right? Or projecting into the off season, right, Chris? Yes. So, Chris, I have not seen the article. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to do a live react where I'm reacting to Chris's, you know, rankings. Not knowing what's going to happen. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. He's going to say them and then he's going to put it in a Google Doc so I can make sure I can reference back to it so, so that I don't mess up the order and all that. But Chris, how do you feel about this list now? Because you did one at the end of the regular season, but now you're projecting into the postseason with only like off season with only four you know playoff, playoff teams still left. So how do you feel about this? Yeah, um, I mean, I feel pretty good about it. It's been fun for me to like go back to these lists and reference them and change them and rethink them at different points in the season and off season for the past year or two. Um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about where it's at. I promise I put a lot of thought into it, everyone. Um, and yeah, let's. You want to get started? Yeah, let's do the first five. All right, we're going to start at 100. Um, and at 100, I have Colin Sexton. 99 is Jay Crowder. 98 is Keldon Johnson. 97 is Andrew Wiggins. And 96 is Mike Conley. So, hmm. I, hmm. I'm kind of surprised. Not that he's not deserving, but I know how you think. So I'm kind of surprised that Colin Sexton's still in the top 100. That That's a little surprising. I always thought you thought of him as an empty calorie type of guy. So that was surprising. Um, and then you said you had Jay Crowder, 99. You had Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson, I, I would have thought you had him higher. I thought you were higher on him than because if I remembered when we were talking about potential Ben Simmons trades, you wanted actually no, that was me. I wanted him in there. You wanted both guards. That's right. Um, 
and then you had Andrew Wiggins, 97. You're not going to give that guy his flowers ever, are you? He always has to be in the nine. What do you mean? Man, come on. He made the all-star team this year. He's averaging 18 and playing two-way basketball on pretty efficient shooting. Like, come on, dude. Like, he's yeah. he's better than 99. Like, 97? Yeah, he's better than 97. He's, I, 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 yeah. he's a good fifth-best player on a contender. I mean... Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, look, he'd probably be a, I mean, he was an all-star for the team for a reason. Okay. Um, well, yeah, he's not fans voted at him because he plays for Golden State. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, yeah, he has solid stats to back it up too. It's not like he's a scrub. I don't know. Um, I would have had him higher. I'm also surprised to see Mike Conley on this list because honestly, I thought Mike Conley was pretty bad this season, especially during the playoffs. I I just don't think he's a I don't think he's a top 100 player anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I think I, we're so starting to see the, the decline of Mike Conley. I I mean I agree. That's why he's so low. Um, like before the season, I think I still had him in like top 50. So he, he's clearly starting to you know, go off the cliff. Well, he was really bad in the playoffs. Like you said, it was a pretty tough thing to watch. Like he, he had a solid regular season still. He's still really efficient and really a very intelligent ball handler and playmaker, but you're, you're right. He's getting up there. He's not a particularly good defender anymore compared to what he used to be. But I, you know, it's still Mike Conley. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt a little bit here. I mean, he must be, what is he, like 33, 34 now? Like, you're you're pushing it here, Chris. I, I wouldn't have had him in the top 100, but these are your rankings, not mine. So let's let's go to the next five. All right. At 95, I know we haven't seen him in a while, but I have Joe Harris from the Nets. Mm-hmm. 94 is Gary Trent Jr. 93 is DeAndre Hunter. 92 is Dylan Brooks. And 91 is Franz Wagner. Of Orlando. Okay. So let's start with Joe Harris. I'm okay with Joe Harris being 95. He didn't have a great regular season. He he did not play for the full season injury, but he still went healthy. He's one of the best sharpshooters in the NBA. Can't deny that. So I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. Uh, I feel like Gary Trent Jr. should be in the top, like, 75. I feel like he's a bucket getter and can... He he can go off for 40 on any given night, Chris. Like, I can't, like, ignore that. And he's a really good defender. I mean, we saw it in the series against the Sixers. Like, he's... He, he was arguably their third best player. Third or fourth. So, like, I, I gotta... I, I think I would put him in the top 80. In my personal opinion, I think 94 is a little low. And you can chime in if you disagree with what I'm saying at any point. Um, okay. Hunter, uh, Hunters, I'm, I'm okay with that. Unless you, did you want to retort on Trent Jr.? No, I, I mean, like the best way to view most of these lists is frankly like in tiers. You know, the difference between mm-hmm. 94 and, and 75 probably isn't as big as the numbers would make it seem like a lot of these guys are pretty close together and we're picking yeah. years, picking nits. So, yeah, 
Fair enough. Okay. Um, Hunter, I'm I'm fine with it. I think he's a top 100, but that that's about it. Um, didn't I mean he had a moment in the playoffs this year was nice, but injuries and just you know inconsistent offensive play this season. Like if he was more consistent, you could have him higher. He'd be one of the better two way players in the league, but he's just not there yet. Uh, Dylan Brooks, maybe I would have had him a little bit higher, but I'm not gonna like cry over spilled milk here he's you know you know that dirty play excluding that like he he's a good two-way player a little inconsistent with the jump shot but like i'm you know he can average like 18 for you as your third best player which is pretty good but like i'm I'm okay with him being not in the 90s like maybe i would have put him in the 80s but not much higher uh you know, you could argue that Franz could actually be higher. Um, I still, I'm okay with it. Like, I think he is a top 100 player as a rookie. You know, did he make the all rookie teams? One of the all rookie teams? I honestly don't remember. Oh yeah, because they they announced that yeah, tonight. Yeah. Okay, first. so okay, yeah, no, I'm okay with that. That that that's fine with me. So yeah, I'm I'm not like ter- outside of Trent Junior. Like this next this group that you just did i'm i'm generally okay with cool yeah i i mean with dylan brooks i think honestly he just tries to, to do too much sometimes like, yeah i think he tries too hard he, he's he, yeah yeah he's yeah. not he tries to be the second best player but he's really a third or fourth best player yeah so that, that's the only reason i i bumped him down a little bit but okay he's still pretty good as you mentioned yeah um so number ninety, I have Jakob Pertl, San Antonio. Mm. Eighty nine is Kristaps Porzingis. Eighty eight is Harrison Barnes. Eighty seven is Seth Curry, and eighty six is Terry Rozier. Wow. Okay, a lot to unpack here. I I wouldn't have Jakob Pertl in my top one hundred. I'm I like I know he's a good rebounder. He's a good interior defender, and he can finish at the rim. But like. He's like a ten and eight guy. Like it's not like maybe I'm just looking at the, like the sex appeal of his game, but it's just not sexy to me. Like I'm not, like and I love big men, but like no, I'm not. I'm not feeling that, Chris. I don't. I don't. What What's your reasoning for having him in the top um, one hundred? Like I'm genuinely uh, I, curious. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're probably underselling his defense a little bit. I, I think he's like a genuine, pretty great. He gets exposed defender. in, sp- yeah, he's a good, yeah, but he gets exposed in space really easily. And, you know, for being a good interior defender, he still gets burned by the best interior scorers in the league, like Joel Giannis. Like he can't slow those guys down. Like if, if you're going to be like a great interior defender, you have to be able to at least slow those guys down. Like Brooke Lopez, Joel, even you know Rudy Gobert, like, like you got to be able to do. So I, I just, I, I think he's good interior defender. I wouldn't make him great. Um, Kristaps Porzingis, like the skill set should make him higher than what he is. But at the same time, I'm looking at like, yeah, Harrison Barnes probably is a better like player within his role Seth Curry's probably like the guy the three guys that you have in front of them like you can make a case they're better in what their role is you know 
Porzingis' roles to be a second star, second fiddle to somebody, but he's not great in that role. So, like, I get what you're saying. And, like, obviously his defense has fallen off because of injury and his shooting is not quite what it used to be. So there's some issues there. But, like, at the same time, like, he was averaging, I think, like, what, 20 and, and 10 with the Wizards after he got traded there? Like, he wasn't a scrub there. Like, he, he was putting up good numbers before he got uh, surgery, I think. So, I don't yeah, know. None of the guys on this list are scrubs. Like, yeah. the thing is, it's still really good. Um, but, like you said, he's pretty inefficient inside the three-point line. And for a 7-3 guy who can block a lot of shots, but who's otherwise pretty beatable on defense in certain points, you know, there are just too many holes there, and he's too inconsistent, and part of that is injuries, but that, that's why he's so low. All right. I'm okay with Harrison Barnes, Seth Curry, and Terry Rozier all in the top in the 80s, and, you know, the 80 bracket. I might have had Rozier a little higher, but at the same time, I'm, like, not going to cry over it. So, yeah, I'm okay with the rest of them. Like, Harrison Barnes is one of the better role players, two-way role players. Seth Curry is a sniper, but you know, doesn't offer much else, maybe a little bit of playmaking. And Terry Rozier's a scorer. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, At 85, I have Aaron Gordon. 84 is our friend Tobias Harris. 83 is Gordon Hayward. 82 is Tyler Hero. And 81 is Boyan Bogdanovich from Utah. Wait a second. You have Aaron Gordon ahead of Harrison Barnes? Yeah. I'm sorry. No. I don't agree with that. I think Harrison Barnes is a better player. I, I really do. Um, I also... Th- Toby is so hard to grade in this because, like, at the beginning of the season, we, we can agree we were, he was awful. He was awful at the beginning of the year. But after the James Harden trade and he figured out what his role was, like he was starting to look really good. So it's hard to like, I think if we look at Tobias post Harden trade, that's a top 60 player, I would say. Right. Or so, top 65. Uh, well, like, I think that might be pushing I, it. <laughs> I, I, well, I would say that anyway. So I, I don't agree with Tobias here. I think his playoffs were strong. Like, you could argue he was the Sixers' third best player, whether you want to put Maxi or James Harden lower on that totem pole. Like, he was their best defender and, like, most steady, like, offensive player. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, Gordon Hayward seems about right. Dealt with injury. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets tried to move him this offseason. I, I don't feel like he's part of their long term plans. Man, you must, uh, you did not have Tyler Hero as your sixth man of the year. And, like, come on, Chris, he's at least a top 75 player in the league. Like, you got to give him a little bit of credit here. I, I, I don't agree with him at 82. Um, well, um, again, like, just like the difference between Gordon at 85 and Harrison Barnes at 88. Again, like those guys are right there, neck and neck. It's not okay, but like, what was yeah. what was the what what's the fine hair that you used to split the put hair uh, Gordon ahead of Harrison? I think Barnes? I think Gordon was 
miscast as Denver's second best player this season because guys were hurt and it made him look a lot worse offensively because he just couldn't do what he was what he needed to do for that team. But I, I agree, I agree. But look, okay, if you're looking at like he, he, third, fourth best team. player on their team, which in an ideal situation, Harrison Barnes, like Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon, are best served as the team's third, fourth best player. Who would you rather have? I'd rather have Harrison Barnes personally. Yeah, I, I think Barnes has the edge offensively, but I, I think Gordon's a really, really underrated defender, and he's like one of the better, big, strong wing defenders in the NBA, and that's why I gave him the edge. But it's again, it's pretty neck and neck. Mm, I don't know. And then Bogdanovich, I he hold up. Is he the one from Utah, Utah. or the one Utah? Okay. Yeah, Utah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Well, wait a second. Do you have the other Bogdanovich on your list? I'm curious. He was quite literally 101. So, I okay, okay. <laughs> I was about to say if you have this Bogdanovich at 81, like I don't think the other Bogdanovich is better. So, like, no. Okay. Well, okay, that's that's what I have to say about that group. Let's go ahead and move on, unless you want to talk about any of the other guys. Yeah, no. Um, number 80 is OG Ananobi. Okay. Number 79 is Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay. Number 78 is Norman Powell. Number mm-hmm. 77 is Alex Caruso. And number wow. 76 is Jeremy Grant. Wow. Okay. A lot to unpack there. Um, I would have had Ananobi ahead of Dorian Finney-Smith. I think Ananobi's as good a defender and probably a little better offensive player. I'm okay with Norman Powell being where he's at. That seems about right. But Alex Caruso in the top 80? Christopher. Yeah, man. Why? Like, oh yeah, he's a good, he's a, a like really good defender at the guard position. Like, arguably could have been into you know, like, and he's a good three point shooter. But like, he's a really good three and D point guard. And like, he like he's really elite as a defender. Like, I'm not taking that away from the guy, but like, I would have had him in the eighties, not the not the seventies. I don't know, but that's nitpicking. I just I I'm kind of surprised that he's ahead of like OG Ananobi and like Tyler Hero. That just seems a little bit too much for me. I I think if Chicago and he were all healthy this year, he would have been the best bench player in the NBA, and he would have won six minutes. Wow! So wow! That's my read on Caruso. I, that I that is like, a hot take there, Chris. Oh my gosh! Okay. I mean, we're talking if we talk like stars in their roles, like guys who play their roles at the highest possible level. It doesn't get much better than Caruso. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not denying that. Like but said, I would <laughs> like best defender on that team, right next to Lonzo before he got hurt too, and. A really great complimentary player on offense who does all the little things at a really high level. He was really important to that team once he got back late in the season in the playoffs. Like, like he's just really good, and I think is deserving of this kind of ranking. I I think it's a bit of a stretch, but it's you know what? It's your rankings. I'm 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 just here for the ride and the reaction. Um, and then Jeremy Grant at seventy six. 
you know what? I'm okay with that because like he had a worse year this year than last year. Like excluding the injury, like he just did not play as well. Like I, I think teams were ready for him this year. Like you know, ideally he he's best suited as like the third or fourth best player on a you know title contender, like he was in Denver. Like it's not it, him being like this first or second option on offense is not what you need him to be. Like he can he can clearly score, but like if teams are focused on him, he's not super efficient, which we kind of saw this year. Um. So yeah, I'm okay with him at seventy eight, seventy six. So who who? What are your next five, Chris? Okay, number seventy five is Wendell Carter Jr. Oh, huh, interesting. Number seventy four is Miles Bridges. Number seventy three is Brooke okay. Lopez. Number seventy two is Miles Turner, and number seventy one is Julius Randall. Like. Okay, I kind of forgot about Wendell Carter Jr. Thinking back, I feel like he should have been lower on the list, but I think you had him lower on the list until this last ranking, if I remember correctly. You had him in like the 90s or 80s, like every other time. So what what made him take the jump here, Chris? I'm curious. I mean, just like looking deeper into it. He put up some pretty absurd numbers, and obviously, you know, it's Orlando, and they're not a good team yet, but he's a good defender. He's a really versatile offensive player for a center with his strength and versatility. He's not even a center. He's a power forward. He's been, He played power forward most this year because of Mo Bamba. You're right. So he mm-hmm. has some positional versatility in that sense. He's probably, quite possibly, going to be playing next to another seven-footer next year if they draft Chet Holmgren, which I would do. I don't. Then. I, I I think they should, not him. I think they should get the guy from uh, Auburn. I think yeah, he he I think he fits them better, and I I kind of like his. I I think he's just like I think he's special plus. Chet Holgrim is going to need a few years to grow into that body, so I think OKC is a better fit for him. Yeah, there's an argument for all the top three guys, but I, yeah. Wendell just does a lot of things really well, and he, he's pretty clearly the best player on that team right now. I think Franz and Jalen Suggs are guys who could surpass him in the long run, especially Franz. Like, I, He's 91 right now by... The midway point of next season, I'd be kind of surprised if he's still 91. I have pretty high hopes for Franz, but um, Wendell's really good, and he mm-hmm. proved me wrong because I've been somewhat lower on him than others in the past, and I, I think he's really good. So, Okay. Um, I'm okay with Miles. I'm okay with Brooke. Um, Turner, I'm a, uh, Miles Bridges. I'm a little... I'm okay with Miles Bridges. Brooke Lopez, I'm okay. I'm actually kind of surprised. Because I would have thought the back injury would have hurt him more on your rankings than it did, or if it did at all. Um, Miles Turner, I'm a little surprised. I thought you were a little bit higher on him. I mean, 70s, 60s, like, you know, I'm not, like, sweating it if you have him in the low 70s versus, like, the high 60s. I would have had him probably in the 60s, though, but, like, it's not a deal breaker. Julius Randle is interesting. Now, I have a hot take here regarding Julius Randle and the Knicks. If I'm the Knicks, I consider trading Julius Randle. And here's why. Obi Toppin looked 
so good at the end of the season starting. Like, I'm pretty sure he was averaging like 18 and 8. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would feel comfortable if like a deal presented itself. Like, I, I would be really tempted to move on from Julius Randle. Like, and he, like, his relationship with the, like, the fans have kind of deteriorated as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I'd be tempted to do that. Why not? You got Obi Toppin and, like, Julius Randle, that's, that one year seems more of an outlier than, like, consistent thing. So, I'm okay with him at 71. You could have actually had him in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, and I wouldn't have, like, batted an eye. Yeah. Um, Julius is tough. Like, I don't know if anyone wants to trade for Julius Randle would be the issue there. Um, well, here, here's the thought. You trade him and Evan Fournier for Russell Westbrook. No, I'm, I mean, he's still better no, no, than listen, Russ. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Russ gets to do Russ things in New York. He's going to sell tickets. You only have to deal with him for one year, and then you open up a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. And then, like... And like, if it goes well, great. You sold a lot of tickets. You maybe made it to the first round of the playoffs with a young core. If not, like you can move on from them after that season. Like it's like, but like Julius Randle staying in New York, I don't know if that's like good for the team. Yeah. I mean, the flip side of that though is obviously he's really talented and can do a lot of unique and interesting things, but I don't think Randle fits very well with LeBron and AD. I mean, he'd be a better fit than Westbrook, and like he could guard the more physical big men to give AD a break. But at the same time, like they can both stretch the floor decently, so like it's it's not like yeah, it's and like he can take over the offense for LeBron at times too, because we know that he can like initiate the offense a little bit. So like there's and like he has a familiarity with AD back when they both played in New Orleans. So like there's there's something there, Chris. Yeah, I'm not just like pulling stuff out of the air. No, he's certainly better than Russ. Um, but let's let's move on to seventy. That's where I have Tyrese okay. Maxey. Okay. All I right. Michael Porter Jr. at sixty-nine. Okay, I can understand that. I have Christian Wood of Houston at sixty-eight. Okay. Jordan Poole at sixty-seven. Okay. And I have Lonzo Ball at sixty-six. Okay, I. I really have no complaints. I'm honestly just surprised you don't have Jordan Poole higher. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. That's one of the tough things of like trying to balance where guys are right now versus where they'll be in a, another year. Because Poole's still a pretty bad defender, and he has his nights where he's still a little erratic. But obviously, the talent's there, and he could be top 50, top 40 by the end of next season. So. That's what I have to say about Jordan Poole. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, the rest of the guys, like, yeah, Tyrese Maxey seems like a top 70 player. Porter Jr., one healthy, is better. Christian Wood, one actually on a competitive team, is better. Lonzo Ball, one healthy, is better. Like, I, I can't say that those guys aren't better, but, you know, having Tyrese Maxey as top 70 player in his second year, that's, I, you certainly, that's a, that's a steal for the Sixers from that draft. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he could he he could very well be in the top like sixty, maybe pushing top fifty by next season. Who knows? Yeah, one hundred percent. 
So at 65, I have Scotty Barnes. Okay. 64, this is the tough one because I have no idea how to feel about this guy. Okay. Forward and like balancing where he was in the regular season at various points versus what he's done in the playoffs so far is tough. But I have Al Horford at 64, and I don't feel very good about it. Interesting. Okay. But he has been, quite frankly, off the charts in the playoffs. Okay. You know, you look at his resume, that's, I don't know, I'm a believer, I guess, in Al Horford still, unfortunately. Um, Okay. 63 is Nikola Vucevic. 62 is De'Aaron Fox. And 61 is Jalen Brunson. Okay, so Scotty Barnes, 65, I'm totally fine with. Al Horford, playoffs, like being back in Boston, even during the regular season, it made a difference for him. Like Boston is just a team that works for his skill set and it maximizes it. Like him playing next to Rob Williams, now he doesn't have to be the primary anchor on defense. Like that, that, I think that's going to help preserve him. And like, Clear, like you said, he's been a monster in the playoffs. Uh, they clearly missed him in game one when he was out with health and safety protocols. Um, so I'm I'm okay with like you might not feel great about it. Like, do you not feel great about it because you feel like he should be higher? Well, or do you think like, like six months ago he wasn't on anyone's list? So you know, yeah, he's just been. I don't know. I if he didn't have that like year in Philly and the year in OKC where he was hurt now the lineup and all that I, I'd feel a lot better about it because obviously he's old. Yeah, and, I mean, what is he like thirty four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, he just has such a winning skill set, and he's always been such a winning player over his career. Mm-hmm. And like he's just super smart and physical, and he elevates the guys around him. I, I really think Philly was. You know, outside the norm for him. I I don't. Well, I, I'll say this: Al Horford and Joel Embiid worked on the floor. If you look at the you know two man numbers with them, like they were a positive set. The issue yeah. is when you put in Ben Simmons with that mix. With all three of them, that's when it just did not work. Yeah, I I mean I think Al Horford skill wise can complement just about anyone. I, but you're right. Like Philly was playing three other power forwards with him. And Josh Richardson, it, it just that wasn't Al's fault, and clearly he wasn't 100% health wise that season. Yeah, he had knee, yeah, he had knee issue. And I like once you get put on the bench, clearly he was unhappy. Like, like that stuff gets to you. So, I don't think that was really indicative of Al Horford as a player in OKC. Again, he's just there's nothing to play for there. Like, mm-hmm. clearly, they, when they, I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they sat him for the second half of the season too. Yeah, and clearly back on a winning team where he fits and where he's wanted. He's doing big things on a big stage. Yeah. So, yeah. He could I'll, honestly I'll, go even higher than this. I, I just yeah. really wasn't a thousand percent sure where to put him. I, I think this is a safe spot to put him. Gives yourself wiggle room. Here's the thing, Chris. We talk about the the revival Al Horford. I think we're going to... I don't like Fuchovic and Chicago. They don't need him as a third scorer. They need an interior presence. And if Utah decides to try to shake things up, if I'm Chicago, I'm calling about Rudy well, Gobert. I, I mean, 
Vucevic still is like a pretty good post up player. That's still he's a good. Player. He's a great. He's a great scorer. I'm not denying that, but you need somebody to anchor that defense. And while he's okay on defense, he is not the type of guy that you want to. You know, you need to base around guys like you know Demar Derozan and Zach Levine and Hansen I, Ball. Like if you I can agree. get a yeah. But I think we'd have we'd probably be having a different type of conversation about Chicago's defense if Caruso and Ball were healthy for the whole season. Because those guys early in the year mm-hmm. were like all defense caliber performances. Like they were I mean, playing really elite, versatile. Fair enough, but defense. during the beginning of the year he was super inefficient and could was barely cracking like thirteen to fifteen points. But he was so, really strong down the stretch too. And he, he played well at the end and looked more like himself. I mean so. I'm just I don't know, Chris. I if I'm if I can get a more defensive minded center this season, uh, this off season, if I'm Chicago, I'm doing yeah because you have clearly, enough offense. Clearly, I have Gobert ranked higher than sixty three, so I would make yeah. that trade too. But I, mm-hmm. I I think Vucevic is pretty good in Chicago. I just I don't. He's like 30, 30 or thirty one now. I we could see a decline there. De'Aaron Fox, Chris. I'll tell you what. I would have had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Maxey much closer on these rankings because here's a hot take here. If Tyrese Maxey was allowed to run an offense, like be the number one option on an offense like Tyrese, I mean, De'Aaron Fox, I don't think their numbers would be that different. If anything, I think Maxey's would be better scoring-wise. Like, Fox is a better playmaker. I'll give you that. But I would argue that, you know, Maxi's at least has a higher ceiling as a defender and arguably just as good right now, if not better. And yeah. clearly he's a better scorer because he's a more efficient one. He just yeah. doesn't get as many touches. So, yeah. I think Fox is, is kind of tough to pick here. Just Obviously, Tyrese is a lot better at playing off of other players and scoring, you know, obviously... Deer, I don't think James Harden would elevate De'Aaron Fox the way that he has elevated Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. He's a better shooter. All that stuff you said, he's more efficient. Fox needs to be the guy, and I think it's fair to ask if he's good enough to be like the main ball handler, lead scorer type of guy for a winning team, if he's good enough to do that. I don't think mm-hmm. he is right now, but he, he just does more than Maxey as far as like creating for others right now. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, and he gets more offensive touches too. That's, yeah, that's the I, other thing. I I from I think he's probably better than honestly where his reputation is right now. I, the Kings being a complete disaster is not really his fault, but mm-hmm. his skill set could be kind of tricky to win with if he doesn't improve the three point shot and start to grow in other ways. So I, I get where you're coming from, and mm-hmm. will probably pass him in the near future if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. But for now, I yeah. And uh, speaking of point guards, we might as well go to Jalen Brunson. And I'm, you know what? I got no complaints. I think he's a top 65 player. 61 is more than appropriate. I think he's better than Fox. I He's better, uh, you know, you know, you can make the argument, maybe Porter Jr. And, and maybe poor Barnes might be better, but like, it's not like a concrete argument, so I'm I'm okay with Brunson being at 61. So we can go to the next five. All right, number 60 is Malcolm Brogdon. 
Number 59 okay. is Evan Mobley. Okay. Number 58 is John Collins. Mm. Number 57 is Desmond Bain. And 56 is R.J. Barrett. Interesting. Okay. Let me v- visualize this for a second. I'm okay with Brogdon being at 60. I think he's a top 60 guy. Uh, even with the injuries that he had this past season, he was before them. He was pretty. He, he was helping my fantasy team out. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. I think he'll probably be traded this off season, though, Chris. If I had to guess, because it looks like Indiana's going to go full rebuild here. They have the point guard, the guards of the future, and Duarte and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, which. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that he's not on your list yet, so I'm curious to see where you have him. I'm very excited about that. Um, Evan Mobley, 59, is fine with me. John Collins, I think in, is is it injury the reason why you didn't have him like higher? Um, I mean, I think more than that, it's just that guys that I had below him previously, I moved up more than like anything he did wrong. There are a lot so of good players just, in yeah. the right now. Um, like John he, he, is awesome. Yeah, like he—I don't think he regressed in any sort of meaningful way to this this year if, mm-hmm. at all. He just didn't, in, you know, get any better either. So, okay, that's yeah, fair. Like, again, like you said, a lot of that's injuries. So, by the midway point of next season, the list will probably look different. So, you yeah, know, all this is liable to change. I don't, you know, soon. <laughs> Desmond Bain, fine. You know, I had to think in my head, like, is Desmond Bain really better than John Collins as, like, a number two guy? And I'm thinking, yeah, he probably is. Um, Honestly, if you look after All-Star break, R.J. Barrett has the case to be in the top 50. Um, Obviously, you're doing the full season, and he did have a slow start. But, like, he could be something special for the Knicks if they don't screw it up. I think I he could be an all-star next year if the Knicks are good enough, have a good enough record, and if he keeps on developing. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, yeah. I, I think RJ's awesome. Um, yeah. So, 55, I have Jonas Valanciunas. Okay. 54 is Clint Capella. Okay. Mm, okay. 53, another guy where I, I don't quite know how I feel about him, but I have Kyle Lowry at 53. Mm. I have Marcus Smart at 52. Okay. I have, I have Robert Williams the third at 51. Interesting. Got some controversy in this bracket. I like it. So let me just tackle my first issue here. I would have had Jonas Valanciunas higher than Clint Capella. Chris, Clint Capella looked awful this year, especially at the beginning of the year. Like It looked like he had lost a step. And, like, he kind of got it back, kind of, but, like, his efficiency went down. And, like, his rim protection just didn't seem like it where it's always been. So, like, I, I would have had Jonas Valanciunas up because he, he had one of the best careers of his year, of his career, one of the best years of his career with the Pelicans. And, uh, I mean, depending on how he fits with Zion, like, he could be a long-term piece there. Because I think, is he, he's still only, like, 28? Or twenty nine, like he's still real. He's still in his prime, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I would have had him above Capella. So what? Why don't you? Um. Well, I I flip flopped on those two quite a bit. 
but I mean, end of the day, fifty-four. The defense again is like a tie. It's not even defense. I just think like I don't know, Clint. It's kind of a benefit of the doubt thing with Clint because before last season he would have been top fifty, and okay. when he's right, he's just such a good defender and rebounder and rim runner. And obviously he's in pretty much the perfect spot with Atlanta. Like it's kind of a benefit of the doubt that he's going to get closer to where he, we expect him to be next season. Uh, if he doesn't, sort of, then Jonas will probably move up ahead of him. Uh, if he doesn't, he might drop to like the eighties. Um, if not out altogether, depending on how bad that drop is. Um, okay. So Kyle Lowry, he did not have great regular season numbers in terms of scoring. I mean, the efficiency was still pretty much there, if I remember correctly. Uh, playoffs has basically been a non-factor. The Heat actually looked worse with him on the court defensively against the Sixers. Yeah, so, well, I, I think that's like the Fred VanVleet syndrome where he's just so hurt that he can't do anything. I don't think that's yeah. indicative of where he's at when he's healthy. Well, I mean, also, he is a smaller guy, somebody that James could bully. Too. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't have had him this high this year, Chris, to be honest. I probably would have had him in the 70s. So that's just me. I mean, if you want to count intangibles, I guess you could have him in like the 60s. But yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's like, it, you know, it's it's Kyle Lowry. I, I think he would be having a much better postseason if he was healthy. Like, duh. But I, I still think he's quite a valuable player. Like, he helped the Heat quite a bit on both sides of the ball. He makes a ton of winning plays, like you said, like he's always been doing. Um, he's certainly annoying at times by nature, but mm-hmm. I, I really don't think it's like fair to take his postseason stuff at face value this year because he's battling a hamstring injury, which are tricky, and we'll see how that progresses long term. But yeah, that's where, where I'm at. Okay. Um I would have had Marcus Smart ahead of Robert Williams. And I think if you're defensive player of the year, like I know Rob will until the injury, like he probably would have been my choice for defensive player of the year. But like, I think like Marcus Smart had a career year in playmaking clearly was one of the spearheads for the Boston defense. Like, I I think you got it. I, I, I would have him higher than Robert Williams. So what what's your reasoning that he's not? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I would have voted Rob over Marcus for defensive play. He would have been higher on my ballot, personally. So that's part of it. But a lot of that's just where they play on the court. And the fact that a great rim protector who can switch around like Rob is just more valuable than a good guard defender, frankly. Not that Marcus... I was about to say, Marcus can handle post-ups. Marcus no problem. Marcus can handle wings. He can switch to the post. Marcus says a lot of great things. He's clearly very good. Like, Marcus Smart was not 52 last season. He, he like, took a big leap on both sides of the ball. He took did you even have guards. him in your top 100? I don't think you did. I don't, I don't, probably not. Like, Marcus really, like, revolutionized how we all thought about him this year. He, he took a major step forward. So, I, I don't want to take anything away from him but he's i don't know it, it was neck and neck again like could have gone either way the 51 and 52 is sort of an arbitrary difference at that point like they're they're right neck and neck for me 
Fair enough, man. Well, let's go to the next. Let's get to the top 50 here now. Okay. Uh, at 50, I have Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. At 49, I have Cade Cunningham. At 48, I have DeJounte Murray. At 47, I have Mikhail Bridges. At 46, I have Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. Um, okay with Jaron Jackson Jr. being 50th. However, and I see what you did here, Chris, because I don't know if you intended to do it or not. But you have the reverse order of like the winning for the rookie of the year. Cade was third, but you have him 49th. Evan well, Mobley was second. He you had him 59th. We we the did winner our third spot. We did our I, spot. And you I know, know you you know what my order was. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then you have Scotty Barnes here at 65. Um. Okay. Yeah, so also, that's. I I think it was totally fair to vote Scotty the winner, right? Obviously, he was mm-hmm. more consistent and on the best team. But Cade. Cade, after the All-Star break, was playing at a higher level than any of the other rookies. And, like, projecting forward, Cade's going to be the best of that group, if I had to bet. So, I don't know, man. That's part of it, too. I don't know. Scotty Barnes, if he gets a jump shot, he's more athletic, and he's almost as good of a dynamic playmaker, and probably going to be better defensively. So, I don't know. Chris, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's a great, it was a great draft class, regardless. Um, Dejounte Murray more than I'm. I'm. Okay, I love it. I. I think if anything, you could argue that he could be higher, at least that at least one more spot higher. Mikael Bridges, one of the best perimeter. You know, three and D guys in the league. Okay, that's fine. Tyrese uh, Halliburton. I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't have him higher. I thought I would have yeah. thought you had him in the top forty. Honestly, he's close. I. You'll get there soon enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's go to the next group. Uh, all right. 45 is Jared Allen. Okay. 44, another guy who's a little bit tough to pin down at this point, but 44 is Clay Thompson. 43 is DeAndre Ayton. 42 is CJ McCollum. And 41 is DeMontis Sabonis. Hmm. Some interesting names here. Um, I'm okay with Jared Allen being there. I'm okay with this version of Clay being there. Do we? Re- do you really think that CJ McCollum is a better player than Aiden? Um, it's a great question. I I thought he was really good in New Orleans. I, he played frankly better than I thought he would. And fair. Yeah, I don't know. It's again, a lot of these guys are neck and neck, and a lot of it, like who would be better where, is dependent on team context. Like there are teams where CJ would make more sense than Aiton, and vice versa. But I'm still a pretty big fan of CJ. He's like one of the best on ball guard scores you can get still. So it's neck and neck. Obviously, Aiden got played off the floor defensively a couple times in the postseason. Not that CJ is some great defender, but I don't think Aiden is quite as bulletproof as maybe we thought he was before the playoffs. Some of that's on Phoenix okay. system-wise, but it's neck and neck. And Aiden, again, dude's in, what, his fourth NBA season? Third NBA? Fourth? Fourth NBA season. He's going to get better. 
he gets better yeah. every year so far. He's shown that he has a good work ethic. Like I, I believe he'll get better. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I'm okay with CJ being where he's at. I guess um, if we're not taking Aiden into consideration, and Sabonis seems about right as well. Like I'm not too worried about that. So let's go ahead to the next top five. I mean, the next group of five. Okay, number forty is Lamelo Ball. Number thirty-nine is. This podcast's favorite player, Ben Simmons. Number 38 is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Number 37 is Anthony Edwards. And number 36 is Draymond Green. Wow. Um, LaMelo's okay at 40. Chris, I don't know where to put Ben Simmons. Like, are we guaranteed that we're going to ever actually see him on the court again? Like, it just... I don't know. Like, yeah, this kind of feel it, it might be a little personal here, Chris, but at the end of the day, like, are we sure he's still a top 40 player? Yeah, it's a fair question. Well, you know, we got to wait and see <laughs> at this point. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm okay with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Anthony Edwards slightly better than him. Um, Look, Draymond Green is like one of the least sexy all superstars that we've seen in this game. All you know, star players that we've seen in this game. He's not a superstar, but he's a star player. Um So I'm okay with him being in the mid thirties as well. That seems about right. Okay. Thirty-five is Darius Garland. Thirty-four okay. is Fred Van Vliet. Thirty-three is another guy we haven't seen in a while, um, Jamal Murray. 32 is Donovan Mitchell. And 31 is James Harden. Okay. Let me just ask you this. If Jamal Murray, the last, compared to what we saw last of Jamal Murray, are we sure that we can really say that he's not better than Donovan Mitchell or this current version of James Harden? No, we're not sure. Um, it's tough to say. Like a lot of guys came back down to earth after the bubble. Murray's numbers weren't quite where they were after the bubble, and he got hurt. So I, I think Murray's awesome. And once we see what he looks like after this injury, he could jump back into the top thirty, which is where I've had him in the past. So mm-hmm. we'll see. So I'm okay with pretty much. Everybody on this list, I think I might have had James 30th, but like I get it at the same time. So, yeah, that's the, I mean, outside of Murray, like, yeah, I don't know, but the rest of it's fine. Let's go ahead. Okay. At number 30, I have Jalen Brown. At 29, I have Pascal Siakam. At 28, I have Bradley Beal. At 27, I have Brandon Ingram. And at 26, I have Kyrie Irving. Okay. Um, Jalen Brown being top 30, fine. Pascal, I, I feel like Jalen Brown's a little better than Pascal. But, like, it's hair splitting. Bradley Beal's better than both. I'm okay. I, I love the fact that you have Ingram better than Beal. I think that's that's fair. Um, 
if we're solely judging Kyrie based off of what he can do on the court, then yeah, he's probably 26. Whether I like his off-court antics or not, that's a completely different thing. But yeah, yeah, I, th- I think though. yeah, I, I I probably would have switched Siakam and Brown, but the rest of this I'm okay with. Okay, 25. I have Drew Holiday. Okay. 24. I have Bam Adebayo. 23, another one who's a little bit tough to uh, get a handle on right now. I have Anthony Davis at 23. I have John Morant at 22, which feels a little bit low saying it out loud, but I'm going to roll with it. (laughs) This is the one I'm sure people are going to be the most mad at. Um, I have Chris Middleton at 21. Ah. Okay, um... Yeah, no, um, you gotta say, I'm kind of, um, there's a lot to digest here. I I think Kyrie Irving compared to Drew Holiday should be higher. I think Kyrie's the better player, regardless of the off-court antics. Bam at 24 seems appropriate. AD at 23. I just, let's just get to Chris Middleton. Why? Is it because of the performance in the in the postseason, or is because I mean in the uh, in the regular season, or is it because I don't know? Like, why? Just explain to me why. Um, I don't know. What do you mean by Chris Middleton's awesome? Like, he, yeah, but he's not better than John Morant, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, or Kyrie Irving, or even Brandon Ingram, or Bradley Beal, like, or Jalen Brown, like. Like, I don't know. I mean, no, I, I, he's better. Okay, if I was you, I would have probably had him ahead of Fred Van Vliet on this list. But the rest of the players, like, and same thing with Drew Holiday. Like, I think they're good. I think they're top forty players, but I don't think they're top twenty, thirty players though. Like, like I know that like Milwaukee players get like a little bit of like extra points because they they won a championship recently, but like. I just I can't I can't do that. Like Middleton's good, but I he's, would argue he, that they probably don't get enough points because they play with Giannis and he absorbs a lot of the spotlight there. Like I don't. A lot of the uh, dialogue with Chris over the years has been that he just doesn't get enough shot attempts for how good he is. In my opinion, like he's a bigger wing. He's just an absolute assassin with his pull up jumper. He can defend. A lot like 20 through 30, a lot of these guys, again, it's splitting hairs. It's preferential. There are a lot of different ways you could go with it on a given night. But Middleton's like the big scoring wing I'd prefer over probably Jalen Brown if I was building a team. Like, who, who do I think would be the better number one guy right now? I think there's a pretty solid case for Chris, personally. I, I, I just don't know if he gets enough respect because he's pretty clearly the number two guy behind Giannis, but I, I think Chris is awesome. And I mean, with Jaw, it's like he's going to keep getting better. He's got to get more of a handle, obviously, on the pull-up jumper and the shooting, and he's going to be a better defender. But Jaw's awesome. If you want to put Jaw above Chris Middleton, I get it. It's, Chris, Chris. okay, first off, you're saying Chris a lot, referring to Chris Middleton. I feel like it's just a name thing. It could be a name I'm, thing. I'm, yeah, yeah, like a conscious name and thing. And, like, I, I'm sorry, Chris, 
are are you are you inebriated right now? Because there is no way I would choose Chris Middleton over Jalen Brown. There's just absolutely no if way. It was a one year deal. One year deal. One year deal. Win or go home right now. I think there's a case that you build your team around Chris for the year. Nah, nah, nah. No, I can't do that. Um, I can't do that. The other thing here is that John Morant was a top five MVP candidate until his most recent injury. Well, not most recent because, I mean, regular season, his last regular season injury. Like, you can't, like, honestly, I find it kind of disrespectful you don't have him in the top 15, at least. Yeah, fair. Totally, I get it. Um, Do, I don't know, I... I think like, John, you've got time to fix your list. It's it's only ten ten right now. I you didn't can have fix John as a top five MVP candidate, and it's not like well, like he's at least John. a ten. At least he's a top ten for you, right? Absolutely. Memphis was great, and John. Okay, then he needs to be in your top ten. The twenty second best player in the world is really good. Nah, I'm uh, sorry. No, I I disagree there. I a lot of Memphis's success. Because of how deep they are and how well-rounded they are and how well-coached they are, like it wasn't the John Morant show entirely. John Morant put on a show, like it, it was the John Morant show. But that team success is not—it's not like a Luca Dallas thing where he's doing everything offensively for that team, which is I, oversimplifying I the Mavs. But I don't like, know. I like, just—you just, gotta have at least top fifteen. Guard, He's not a very good defender right now. The three-point shot isn't as great as a lot of the guys listed ahead of him. If you load up the paint, you know, it's... I don't know. He'll get better, and he's still really good. And you can clearly build a contender around him. But I'm just a big Chris Middleton guy, is what I learned. I didn't think I would have Chris Middleton at 21 going in. I wasn't like, I'm going to have Chris Middleton really high. But I was making the list, and I was... Putting guy, I was like figuring things out, and I was like, "Oh look, Chris Middleton's twenty-one. That seems a little high, but I—that's where I feel like he should go. So nah. that's where I have him." Look, uh, we're gonna disagree on those two for sure. Um, let's just go ahead and move on. Okay, my number twenty is Zach Levine. Okay, my number nineteen is Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. My number 18 is DeMar DeRozan. My number 17 is Zion Williamson. And my number 16 is Trey Young. So, okay. I don't think Zach or Cat are better players than Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram or Kyrie Irving. Now, are you? Let me just ask you this, Kyrie. Is the only reason that he's where he's at is because he's missed so many games, or is it a talent thing? For Kyrie? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's like Kyrie is obviously brilliant in a vacuum, but I think the question they Brooklyn really ran into in the playoffs and late in the season is like, does he make anyone else better? Does like He's kind of a one-man show, and he plays a somewhat selfish brand of basketball at times, and he's not a good defender. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Levine, Carl, Anthony Towns. Chris, they're both one-sided players. Though no, they're really good on that one side of the ball, but they're both defensive liabilities. So is John Morant. 
Okay, yeah, but like <laughs> you don't see what he like he's different than them though. Like is he different I because just, he's different or is he different because Memphis is he's different because to make up for his deficiencies than Minnesota? Maybe. I don't know, Chris, but I would still have him also, higher because I know they lost, but Minnesota outplayed Memphis in that series pretty frequently. And yeah, that, that, that was coaching. That was that was. Yeah. Yeah. That was like coaching. Cat Cat's one of the best offensive bigs we've seen in a while ever like he's wait a second i just realized something chris no i no i'm gonna call you out now because in our in the beginning of the season you had rudy gobert at 16 you haven't had rudy gobert on this list there is no (laughs) way he had a better season this year than he did in previous years ain't no way ain't Uh, no way yeah, uh, I might have bumped a couple people down. Like, AD dropped to 23. That might be what did it. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> um, absolutely not. No, okay, just uh, no. No, okay. You have, to, you have to let me do... You have to okay, let me I'm, not even do, I'm not even de- done here yet. But, um, I don't know. I would have had, like, Levine, like, he wasn't even the best player on his team, like... I did like, have Demar over him. Yeah, I do. I know, but like having him twenty, it seems like okay. Why do you have him above like Jaw and Kyrie and even Bam or like I? I feel like you got Pascal and Jalen Brown kind of low, honestly, or like Jalen Brown low at least. Yeah, I don't know. And Zion, like he didn't even play this year, man. Like I know, but. He's Zion. Okay, well, and then Trey Young, I kind of felt like he had a down year, honestly. I like I, I think I, he I had don't a know. down postseason. I, I think he was pretty great in the regular season. Yet they still had to be in the play in. They did. I, I don't think that was entirely his fault though. Um like injuries were a big issue there, and I, I think the fact that they probably overperformed a little bit collectively but like you said clint had a bit of a down year and got hurt john got hurt hunter was hurt all year he is a really big piece of what they do um like boyan herder those guys weren't always 100 percent healthy like sometimes you just have a rough year i think the hawks will bounce back to a certain degree next year well we'll, we'll see um all right all right you my, better have gobert here my i swear if you have is rudy gobert Okay. My number 14 is Damian Lillard. My number 13 is Devin Booker. My number 12 is Paul George. And my number 11 is Chris Paul. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, well, you already know that I don't see Rudy Gobert as a top 20 player. We could argue that for like 20 minutes, but we're not going to get anywhere. Best defender of the last five. Uh, didn't he even make top three in defensive player of the year voting? I don't think this year. But he should have. So, okay. Should he have? The voters really? are wrong. It happens. Uh, I, 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 they were wrong in a lot of awards, but I don't yeah, think that. I mean, they got MVP wrong in your opinion, and they got they the did. player of the year wrong in my opinion. Okay, well, anyway, we're, we're Dame... That seems appropriate. 
Devin Booker, that seems appropriate. Paul George, that seems appropriate. Can we really give Chris Paul all that? If like I know he had a great first round series against the Pelicans, but like after game two, like he looked horrendous against the Dallas Mavericks. Like I don't I don't I don't know if I could give him eleven. I, I'd feel better giving him fifteen. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. That like, I, and the thing is, is like Devin Booker is the best. I, in my opinion, Devin Booker is the best player on that team. Totally fair argument. I, 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 what I really figured out when I was making this list is like a lot of these guys, be it for matchup or injury reasons or just because they're having a bad series, a lot of these guys have bad stretches. Like Lillard, obviously, was hurt. Didn't have the year we're used to seeing from him. Trey had a really bad first round against Miami. I don't think that should completely tank our idea of who Trey Young is. I think he's still a brilliant player and one of the greatest offensive weapons in the NBA. He was really bad in the first round against Miami. He was terrible. Um, Chris Paul, it does seem like it was probably not at 100% health-wise because he's a gazillion years old. That's something you have to factor in with him now. But he also had a really great first round against New Orleans. Had that awesome fourteen to fourteen game against the Pelicans. Like there, there was some good there too. So that's uh, just like one of the smartest players he's ever seen, and he makes everyone around him better. And when he is healthy and on, he's really awesome to watch. But I, I understand it. But a lot of these guys have some postseason blemishes. You know, yeah, it's tough. Like, even if we don't count those blemishes, like, I still think Devin Booker's the better player. But, all right, let's 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 jump into the top ten now, Chris. How about we just do all the top ten at once? Well, but, I, I want to build the top five. Fine, fine. Go ahead, give me the first group. <laughs> um, Number ten is Jimmy Butler. Number nine is Jason Tatum. Number eight is Steph Curry. Number seven is Kawhi Leonard. And number six is LeBron James. Wow. I need a minute to process all that. Um, are you giving Jimmy that mostly because of his postseason run? Uh I mean, because during the regular season, it, you could argue he wasn't even a top twenty player. I've I've had him in the top fifteen range for a while, personally. Um, I I certainly think the fact that he's been the best player in the playoffs maybe is part of it. Like he's clearly proven now twice in the past two out of the last three years that he can really crank it up a notch on the biggest stage. Um, so that's definitely part of it, but. You know, he's an all-defense candidate on one side of the ball and one of the best go-to scorers, playmakers on the other side of the ball. Miami's the one seed for a reason. He's the best player on the third-best team record-wise in the NBA. Uh, he's top 10. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm not going to argue that. I like Jason at 9. I like Steph at 8. Kawhi at seven will give will give him the benefit of the doubt. LeBron, I'm surprised you don't have LeBron. Why don't we, like he's the first player in NBA history at the age of 37 to average 30 points? What's what's up with that, Chris? 
Um, look, man. Uh, Oldest player to do so. LeBron is awesome. Obviously. Like, I think he's no still room. top five player in the league. I certainly, it feels like he should be. I get it. But then you look at the guys one through five, and it's like three MVP candidates and two really awesome players. It's it's kind of hard to... Okay, I know three so out of four. Top ten is really tough for me. One, one through eight. If Kawhi gets back to where Kawhi is, and if Steph has a bounce-back year of sorts next year, like, all those guys are borderline interchangeable. Like, there was a point in time where Steph might have been the best player in the world. There was a point in time where Kawhi might have been the best player in the world. Obviously, we know what LeBron's capable of. So, again, it's a lot of nitpicking, a lot of... who Was it the defensive effort? Is that why you didn't... Or the fact that he couldn't get his team turned around? Yeah, I mean, like, health is an issue with a lot of these guys. LeBron is, I don't think he's where he was, obviously, at his absolute peak. He's no longer, like, the clear, undisputed number one player. But if you want to say he's top three, four, five, instead of top six, I'd be down for that. I I think there's a strong case. Obviously, the protection is there. It's not his fault the Lakers just couldn't build a team around him. I mean, you could argue it's partially his fault because he probably wanted a lot of those guys there, but it's not really his fault. You know, it's on management to build a better team. But, yeah, I don't know. It's really tough with these top eight or nine now that Jason's doing what Jason's doing. The top nine are all pretty interchangeable, in my opinion. Uh, All right. So let me try to guess this, this remaining top five okay uh, i'm i i'm i got i know four out of the five i honestly just don't i can't remember for life of me he should oh wait a second yeah i do okay so i got all five of them now i'm gonna guess and you're gonna tell me how close i did got all right i'll give you mine and i'll tell you how close okay you have for number number five you have joel Embiid. yes you want me or no? to confirm now okay yeah 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 yes yes i do okay I thought so. Number four, you have Nikola Jokic. Nope. Really? Mm-mm. Okay, who is it? KD. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Number three. Let's see, those three are still up on the board. I'm going to say Jokic at number three. Yep. Okay. Number two. This is where it gets tricky. I'm going to say you have Luca. Yep. And then number one is Giannis. Yep. Okay. I would have probably flip-flopped uh, Jokic and Durant, but otherwise I pretty much agree. Yeah. Again, it's... They're also uh, I might have had Joel number four and Jokic number five, but that's just yeah. Sixers bias there. Yeah, again, it's like if you put any two players in a seven-game series, either one's liable to outplay the other. It's it's all super close. It's all kind of. Did you have you, did, 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 did the second MVP help you keep Jokic in the top three? Well, I mean, obviously, I thought Jokic deserved the second MVP more than you. I, I'm not basing it off of the fact that he won the award necessarily, but I mean, Jokic m- 
there's a strong case that he's the best offensive player in the NBA right now. And I know you guys aren't as high on his defense as I am. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm like high. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say he's like an all defense player or anything. He's not a special defender, but he's a good defender. He's a totally competent rim protector. He plays really smart on both sides of the ball. He's a, one of the best rebounders, if not the best rebounder in the NBA. Like he does the little things, and he plays. he's competitive. He's, he's not getting played off the floor like some people are making it out to be. Like, do you put him in, like, if you're subbing just for defense at the end of the game and you want to switch all five spots, do you take him out maybe? Sure. But he's not, like, getting played off the floor by Golden State. That's not what happened. I don't think that's an accurate portrayal. And that's what some people have made it out to look like. Um, and like, he's just more efficient than Joel from every level. He doesn't, he scored three fewer points per game, but he scored those points more efficiently. He doesn't get to the free throw line as much, and that's part of what makes Joel special is because he just you can't guard him. But Jokic is just so efficient from the floor and has so many little tricks and moves, and it's so hard to guard him in that space. So that would be my case for Jokic. He's obviously a brilliant passer. But that's that's part of it. But Okay, but like, how do you have... is 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 was Durant's injuries like the reason why he wasn't ahead of Jokic? Because I mean, before the injuries, you could make the case that Durant was the front runner for the MVP. So what what put him? What put Jokic ahead of Durant? Um. Yeah. Again, it's like I'm trying. Like I want to stress how close all these guys are, and Durant would have led the NBA in scoring if he had played enough games. So we wouldn't even be able to say Joel was scoring champ. Like, Durant was freaking awesome. And obviously he stumbled a bit in the playoffs, but that's because he was playing maybe the best defense of the last decade. Boston's an amazing defensive team. And Jason Tatum, the number nine, is an amazing defensive player and a big reason for why Katie struggled. So I'm not even, like, you know, knocking him down a bunch because of that performance. Katie's an, an amazing, flat-out awesome player. Jokic just did a little bit more for me this season, I guess, is the way I can say it. Like, they're they're all neck and neck. Um, clearly, Jokic, everyone's saying oh, he got eliminated in the first round. I, I think we all know that the main reason for that is because his second and third best players were missing. And he also was playing Golden State, who's most people's favorite to win the championship right now. So, uh it's close. Again, it's like all neck and neck. I I can't sit here and say like Jokic is meaningfully better than Kevin Durant. It's just all neck and neck. So you could tell it like a five-way tie. The top five, mm-hmm. like I, I felt pretty comfortable with LeBron, Kawhi, and Steph, six through eight. The top five, Giannis was my number one, but two through five, you could have gone any which way and I would be fine with it. So it's all really close. I put Luke at two because he seems to be making the leap to like that super duper 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 star all time great player that we know he can be. And mm-hmm. he's just such a one man machine on offense. But you put Luca at five and Joel at two or KD at two or Jokic at two. I'd be fine with that. You know, it could go either way. Yeah. And I, I, I don't you know what? I agree with you that Giannis is the best player in the NBA right now. Best player of the world. I think that's that's kind of undisputable in my opinion. Um, 
I I think that's just where he's at. Yeah. Um, Giannis, had a chance to. Giannis is a machine. Yeah. There, he was the only one where I was like, all right, Giannis is one, and then we have to figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I, I overall, I don't think you had a bad list, Chris. There's obviously some disagreements, um, but I, I think you did a decent job there, bud. Thank you. And I think it's time now for us to go ahead and uh, play close this one out. All right. To all our listeners, thank you for indulging us in this longer-than-normal conversation as we broke down the top 100 players in the NBA. Let us know in the comments, either on our website if you're listening there, or in the podcast comments on Apple Podcasts, wherever. What's your thought? You know, we're on Twitter at Sixersense. Tweet us. Let us know what you thought. Let us know where you would have Joel, Tyrese, James, all those guys. And please like, subscribe, follow along, all that fun stuff. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Audible. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. You're listening. It is probably Thursday or Friday or later in the week. The article for this top 100 will be dropping Thursday morning at 6 a.m., so it is already out. Please go read it if you feel compelled to. Um, Hopefully I can maybe better explain myself on a few of these players and what I think about them. And, yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. We will talk to you early next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.